And so at three o'clock, he's waiting on a phone call from the district manager of RNC Texas. And at 2.57, this phone call comes in and it's a Texas area code. And this guy deals with so many idiots all the time. He doesn't answer just random calls, right? So he's like, I'm gonna pick up the call. And it's like, hey, this is Terry Bradshaw. And he's like, all right, real funny guys. He's like, no, no, I'm serious. This is Terry Bradshaw. And he's like, Terry's talking to him on the phone. And he's like, what, what? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I hear that you're blowing my son-in-law off. And he's like, what? And he's like, my son-in-law Noah, he keeps emailing you about- The intersection of good drinks, good music, and good times. This is Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations. You may find this hard to believe, but what became the Bar Conversations podcast dropped three years ago yesterday, uh, or, or close to it, depending on when you're listening to this. June 12, 2020 is when we launched it. It's been an amazing run, and we got a whole lot more fun coming up for you. So don't worry, we're not going anywhere. Great episode for you this week. Noah Hester, Bradshaw Bourbon brand manager, chef, Terry Bradshaw's son-in-law. He's a great conversation, and for tasting notes, we welcome back Chef Allison Settle to talk about the summer recipe to try. Enjoy. Did you know Hops and Spirits is more than just this podcast? Check out hopspirits.com for our latest episode release, past episodes, interviews with interesting folks in the alcohol industry, and so much more. Just go to hopspirits.com. Feel free to wait until this podcast is done. Back again here on Tasting Notes, it's Allison Settle. She's a 2022 James Beard Best Chef semifinalist, Sullivan University brand influencer. You can find her assemblage pop-up events around Greater Louisville. And she was recently on Beat Bobby Flay. And I don't know if she ever takes a break, but she's here with us. Welcome back, Allison. Thanks for having me. I was going to say, I mean, getting to do stuff like the Food Network, go to Beat Bobby Flay, I think you've... You, you've got some other things in, in the works or coming up. What, what's it like to do that kind of stuff? It's, uh, it's interesting. It's good. It, it's very much like when it rains, it pours. Like I'll find that I like, there's not a whole lot going on. And then all of a sudden it'll be like, can you work this event? Can you cater this wedding? Can you do this private dinner? Can you do this podcast? Can you do this, 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 um, like just today, as we're talking, like I just came back from a feast a while back Um, I'm doing these podcasts with you. I had to work at Sullivan today. I had a meeting about a wedding and then, um, I'm cleaning the house and packing to fly to Charleston tomorrow morning for the weekend for work. So it's like, I'm just, I'm just going with it. I just, I'm, I just keep doing the things that I think are pushing me in the right direction. And hopefully, you know, it, it just keeps going that way. But yeah, it's, reprogramming from being in an in from a restaurant life into more of a like independent I'm promoting you know myself and and being just me and not managing anybody I'm just managing myself it's such it's just interesting it's a completely different world and it really opened my eyes into the fact that like being a chef is incredible and I will always love Barney and I will always care about that place and and love it um and all the restaurants that I've worked at but there are just a million different directions that these opportunities can take you if you allow them and you're open to it. It's just uh, like a practice of being, of putting yourself out there and being open to taking chances and saying yes to things, even if they're hard or even if they feel scary. Like if it's going in the right direction, you just go for it. And I, I just think that's a great philosophy for life in general. I think it was my 36-year-old Saturn return astrological profile. Like, I kind of lost my mind last year, and I'm just getting it back. 
<laughs> well, I'm glad you're getting it back, and I'm glad you're able to share a little bit of that knowledge that that yeah. you've been able to to gain over those years. And you know, last episode, the last tasting notes, we talked about new ideas for the grill. I don't know if you've got anything there this time around, but you know, summertime, there are all different ways you can cook up a meal. So, you got any fun summer recipes or things that we should be looking for? Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah, totally. I mean, summer is summer is one of the best times of the year obviously that's when we have a wealth of of produce coming from our local farmers and um you know and that's true countrywide so um having the opportunity to work on those on those ingredients and work with our farmers and support them is is great so um summer recipes so this is something that i always have um in at least like the last three restaurants that i've been in i've always had a burrata on the menu. And this is becoming pretty popular in uh, a lot of restaurants. I'm, I'm not the only person who did it. I don't think that I was nece necessarily a unique person, but coming from my time in Germany, uh, when I was an au pair, when I was much younger, much, much younger, um, they had a different philosophy. Europeans just have a different philosophy of eating. And we've talked about this in the past a little bit, like alfresco dining is much more of a thing. Like let's be outside, let's be in the fresh air. Um, but another thing that I didn't really think about until I had been there was I would make, you know, a soup or a pasta or something for dinner when I didn't have much instruction from the family. And then they'd be like it in the summer and they'd be like, why did you make this? And they weren't mean, but they were German. So they were like, why did you make this? It's hot. It's summer. We want to eat something cold. And I was like, why do we never talk about it like that? I, I I think I think some people probably do here and I think it's becoming more and more mainstream but like at that time in my life I had never associated like temperatures of foods or spice levels of foods or anything of the sort to any season. It was just like I'm just going to cook whatever I want to eat tonight or you know. Mm -hmm. So um caprese salads were really popular with the family. We would um, I would grab mozzarella from the store and then we had a, a couple of corner markets that I would grab tomatoes and basil from. And then she had this like very fancy organic market that I had to purchase all the vinegars and oils from. So grocery shopping in Germany is very different too because you have to hit up like 18 different stores and you return all of your beer bottles for money. Mm. It, it's just a completely different world. Um, but we would make those just very simple extra virgin olive oil, balsamic vinegar, fresh mozzarella, nice ripe summer tomatoes and fresh basil. And that was a, a family favorite for them. And it became a family favorite for me. And in fact, one of my biggest cooking tricks, um, it's not really a trick, um, it's pretty well known, but using fermented brown liquids to add flavor and savoriness to a dish. So tomatoes already have that naturally um, that natural MSG on monosodium glutamate is naturally occurring in foods and it is in tomatoes. So MSG is not a bad thing. I'm just going to say that to you. It exists whether you like it or not. Um, but the daughter actually really loved soy sauce, just regular mm. or like organic Kikoman soy sauce. And she mixed that with her balsamic vinegar and her olive oil with her caprese salads. And I ate it one time and it just like, I was like, this is everything that a caprese salad has been missing. So ever since then, I've been creating like these different 
and more elaborate versions of just like a traditional caprese salad to the point that now I have seasonal backdrops for, um, you know, a beautiful ball of burrata or a ball of mozzarella on a plate. And, um, at the beginning of springtime, it's going to be probably like a vinegar roasted beet with strawberries and fresh herbs and, um, maybe a chili crisp, um, extra virgin olive oil. And then, uh, I really enjoy sherry vinegar for some things. So I use sherry vinegar there. And then if I can get it, I'll find white soy sauce. So that does exist. Mm. It's a clear soy sauce. So I don't alter the flavor or I'm sorry, the color of the, of the burrata or the strawberries and set it up that way. At this point in the summer, um, you're going to start to get tomatoes. We're going to start to get gooseberries. We're going to start to get all sorts of things. So just play around with different flavors that you enjoy, like in any kind of salad. If it goes together, it will go with a burrata. A burrata is just, or a mozzarella is like a blank slate. It's a delicious, cheesy blank slate, but really it will lend itself to almost anything that you want it to. So use your tomatoes, your gooseberries. Um, you could even roast mushrooms and do a roast mushroom in burrata. Um, we at one point in the fall had apples and like curry oil and uh, persimmon. Sometimes we would uh, make a bread with pawpaw and add that to the side of it. Like really experiment with a burrata or a mozzarella just being the palate to the seasonality. It's a great vehicle. It's a delicious vehicle. And you can use all the different vinegars that you've collected over time as people have given you strange, weird gift bas mm. baskets of tarragon vinegars or what have you that you didn't really know what to do with. Put it on a burrata. Put it on a mozzarella salad. And then add those creative brown liquids. I mean, you could even do um, a really light... Uh, a very light amount of fish sauce, um, soy sauce, white shoyu, tamari. Um, you could even make a vinaigrette with miso or, or really any kind of vinaigrette that you can think of. Like seasonality is key. Go to the farmer's market, ask them what the best thing they have is, ask them what they think it goes with and put it together on this burrata salad and enjoy a cool, delicious, refreshing local dish that will refresh you and, and give you that clean energy that you need without just weighing you down when the summer is as oppressive as it can be in this area. I was going to say, we, we get some, some warm temperatures and then maybe you can have an extra beverage or two and, and it'll be a, a good evening. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Allison, I appreciate it as always. And now I'm hungry and I might <laughs> have to go have a snack. <laughs> Check out Hops and Spirits on social media at Hop Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at hopspirits.com. Joining us here for our conversation, he's an award-winning chef. You can see him on the Bradshaw Bunch. He's a brand manager for Bradshaw Bourbon. He helped craft the Bradshaw Ranch Thick and Juicy Burgers. I think he's staying busy these days. Welcome in, Noah Hester. Thanks, Jonathan. So are are you staying busy? Is that what uh, what is everything true that I just said? <laughs> Man, I, yeah, I'm I have a tendency to always stay busy. It's just one of my character defects. Um, I I tend to have at least four or five things going at all times, um, and that's how I like it. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I'm I'm like you. I like to stay busy, and 
you know, like I, like I said, I mentioned a few things that 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 you do, and of course, it's called bar conversation, and and I'm having a little, you know, Bradshaw bourbon. You know, I, I may have had a few already. I don't know. Um, what do you got in your cup? Uh, you know, I'm drinking a, a Bradshaw bourbon as well, um, but I've got uh, a barrel select. You know, our barrel program is kind of up and running, and so this is actually from barrel number 120. Um, so I try to try to get a bottle from every barrel and get to taste it and compare it to other barrels and other bottles. Um, so I've got that, but it's strong. It's coming out at 116.6 proof. Um, so I've got a little Fox and Odin to, you know, for hydrate. There you go. <laughs> Well, because that, that leads me, I was going to say, I mean, out obviously Bradshaw Bourbon, you, you know, being brand manager, all that, clearly you're going to enjoy that. You're going to, you, you, you like that. Outside of that, though, are you typically a whiskey guy or do you prefer some other things mix, you know, or mix it up depending on the night? Um, you know, I've pretty much always been a whiskey or bourbon guy. I pretty much stick with that most of the time. Um, I'll do an old fashioned here and there once in a while, you know, if I'm feeling crazy, I'll do a tequila evening. Um, cause I think tequila kind of has a lot of the f- similar flavor profiles. I mean, I guess not similar, but the same complexities as bourbon and whiskey do. And so I enjoy a nice tequila. Um, I just, you know, I'm one of those guys that I tend to stick to the brown liquor, uh, beer. I'll do a beer here and there as well. Hey, nothing, nothing wrong with that. Cause, cause I was going to say, I mean, like, obviously if, if you like one, are, are you a high proof guy, low proof guy? Do you kind of have a sweet spot? Cause to me, I dove into the high proofs by doing this show, but mm-hmm. I think really I prefer like, which to some would be high proof, you know, the hundred, 110, but like, where, do you have a sweet spot that that's suits re- your palate? That's right around my range. Um, you know, I don't want to, you know, Jameson I'll go to if it's like a shot night, you know, uh, or like the Fox and Odin is a little bit lower, but I like right around where Bradshaw's at. I like in that proof range. Um, if I'm doing a nightcap, I'll go for something a little bit stronger, but uh, I agree with you. I really like to have a little bit of heat, but not so much that it's like painful. Yeah. You, it's not good when you feel it on the other side. I right. Like. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> when I can feel it coming down my yeah. esophagus that I'm like, all right, that's too hot. Yeah, no, we, we, I forget where I was the other night, and I was like, I feel it in my chest, and I don't feel like that's where I should feel it at. Right, yeah. <laughs> like the immediate heartburn. Yeah, that's good. I'm good on that. You know, which is no, hard I, for me. I have to ask. Yeah, yeah. good. No, go for it. Uh, I was just going to say that, um, you know, since I'm a chef, I get questions all the time about wine, and I was going to say that for some reason, for me, I cannot drink red wine, man. I'll have one glass of red wine, and I have, like, the worst heartburn and it drives me absolutely crazy because I want to learn about wine. I want to know about it. And wine enhances food so much and vice versa that I would love to be well-versed in it, you know, but it, for some reason, one glass of red wine and I'm, I have the worst heartburn. Well, so see, I never was a huge wine drinker. I, you know, I, I was craft beer for a long time doing this. I've kind of gotten clearly into the, the, the whiskey and bourbon. And then in the, the wintertime, my wife and I and a, a, a couple friend of ours, went down to Patagonia, down to Argentina and everything. And it's just pure red wine. And I don't know if they know what um, vegetables are. It was literally (laughs) red wine and meat Yeah, for like seven days. That's all we had. That's a crash course. And I love it now. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that sounds amazing. (laughs) So so if you need it, just go for a crash course. I'm in at the right off, right? Now I was going to ask because you, you talk about like liking that that sweet spot. Obviously, Brashaw Bourbon comes in at like a a, a sweet hundred and three point eight proof. But I got to ask 
the fifty one point nine percent ABV. Sure, sure. How? Where, where does that come from? Because it's well, a fun little story. There. It's a, it's a super fun story, and I tell people the story a lot. It's, a, it's something that not a lot of people know. Um, you know, as they were mixing this, um, and this is the rye bottle, so it looks a little different than yours, but same same proof. Um, Jacob Call was our master distiller, and he's a third generation master distiller. Uh, his grandfather and great grandfather, I think his grandfather still makes rum, which Jacob Call actually has a really, really cool rye out right now called Hemingway, if you see it anywhere. Uh, mm. And it's like a six I've or seen it. Yeah, it's like I'm, a six I'm or eight year. I want to try it. <laughs> it's good, man. I just finished a bottle. It's a six or eight year rye, uh, and then they age it in these uh, rum casks that his father makes. So it's a cool story. Um, but a side note, so Jacob and all the guys were testing Bradshaw bourbon and they're mixing it to find the sweet spot, you know, and they're like, man, between 103 and 105 is like really, really good, but we can't find that exact spot. And so after hours of testing and mixing water back and forth, one of the techs finally was like, hey, somebody get on your phone and see what Terry's NFL pass completion average was. And so they, you know, type it in the Google machine and his career NFL completion average was 51.9%. And so they're like, all right, we can work with that. And they mix it and they taste it. And they're like, holy shit, this is like the spot. This is where it's meant to be. And like, it still to this day gives me chicken skin telling that story because a lot of celebrity brands and things like that will create a bourbon before the story. You know what I mean? They'll they'll have the story. They're like, we're going to create a product around this story. It's kind of cheesy and tacky in my opinion. And so I think how cool and unique Mm -hmm. and genuine it is that it was like, we already had the bourbon, we had the product, it was already you know, happening. And then they come across this like fun, unique way to mix it. And and then the fact that it actually worked out really well, you know, um, with this interesting number, we've won all kinds of awards. You know, we just got a a platinum and a gold in the Ascot awards last week, which is a pretty big deal. Um, 95 rating and wine enthusiast. I mean, it's done really well with that story. And it's really fun because when Terry tells that story and talks about it, he's like, man, the first time in my life being completely average really paid off. You know, he's like, can you imagine if I was, if I was Tom Brady, like we'd all be hammered all the time. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. I was like, that's a unique thing to go for. 51.9%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what's really cool is actually, I mentioned the, um, the barrel select. So we kind of wanted to stick with that whole theme. And so we pull the barrel out. So this one is one sixteen point six, So 58.3%, which is his average for all the Super Bowl. So his, past completion average in the four Super Bowls that he was in and won was 58.3%. And so that's why we have the little bit higher, 116. Well, see, he, he upped his game when it he mattered upped his most. Game, yeah, in those four <laughs> games, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it, well, it's cool. It's a fun it story. Like, I was going to say, what's it like to be part of, of the Bradshaw brand and, and kind of be able to, because clearly, like you said, you enjoy a good drink, a, a, a good, you know, dark, you know, a little dark water. Uh, so, so what's it like to be able to be part of that and kind of share that story with folks? It's really cool. You know, it's, it's new to me. I mean, as I mentioned before, I've been a chef, you know, for 20 something years and that's always been my career. And I kind of got into this, um, by accident and I really enjoy it. I'm learning a lot and it's really fun to go out and share it with people. And it's really cool to be able to share that with Terry and to be out there with him doing it, you know, and he goes out there with me quite often, you know, and we'll pop into stores and he'll go sign a bottle or he'll just sit behind the register or he'll just talk to the owners. And it's really cool to watch his passion in it, you know, and that's what got me excited in the first place. Um, he actually took me out to green river distillery. I don't know, four years ago or something just randomly. Um, and it was a really a cool experience to go through the distillery and watch it. And there's a, a lot of cool things there that really opened my eyes, but 
one of the things is on the way back, he's like, man, I love this so much. Like I love being out there meeting people and being a part of this. And he's like, if I could just do this all the time and just go and visit these store owners and visit these people, he's like, I would, I could retire just doing that, you know, and he's so happy and doing it. And so I came back to, I was living in Hawaii at the time. I came back to Hawaii and I really wanted to see this brand successful for him because he was so passionate about it. So excited about it. And I didn't know shit about the liquor business. And so I'm like, Oh, how hard could it be? And I'm going to get Bradshaw bourbon into Hawaii. And like, (laughs) so it was pretty, it was turned out. It was pretty hard. It was um, right after the pandemic, uh, maybe right before. And I went to my, my favorite liquor store in Hawaii where this is a whole nother side story is that that's kind of where the Bradshaw bourbon brand started. Um, but I was like, Hey, if I, if we can get Bradshaw bourbon out here, I'll buy it. My friends will buy it. Family will buy it. You know, and they're like, sure. If you get it into Hawaii, then we'll, we'll carry it. You know? And I'm like, Oh, this is easy. I've been in restaurants. I know some liquor reps. I'll call them, you know, not knowing that there's different reps for on-premise and off-premise and like the whole deal. Work my way up. Uh, I'll shorten it. I work my way up uh, and someone finally through my connections gives me a phone number for the purchaser for the entire state. You know, he works for Young's Market, which is now RNDC. Um, and he's like, don't tell anybody where you got this phone number or this email. You know, so he's like, you shouldn't have this. <laughs> and again, I'm ignorant. I don't know what's going on. You know, so I just cold call this guy. He doesn't answer, obviously. Leaves a message. Doesn't, doesn't call back. Send him an email. Doesn't call back. Finally, I, I'm just like copying and pasting, sending his email every day because I'm annoying. And he's like, "Look, I'm not bringing this product in. Like, there's not enough people for it. Uh, we're not bringing anything until next year." Meanwhile, I don't mention any of my connection with Terry or anything like that. I'm just this guy who wants to buy bourbon. I've got this good product. Yeah. So then I go to uh, one of the resorts where I know the director of F and B, and he's like, "Man, I'll bring the product in." And when Terry comes to Hawaii, he usually stays at this resort. He golfs there. And I'm like, "How cool would it be to be a tourist sitting at the bar?" drinking a pina colada and Terry Bradshaw walks in and his bourbon's there on the shelf. You know, it's a great story. Right. So they're like, yeah, absolutely. We'll bring it in. So then I reach out to the other three other hotels. So I got four big resorts, two liquor stores. I'm like, man, this is a done deal. Like call this guy again, send him an email. I'm like, dude, I've done your job for you. Like, let's bring the product in, you know? And he's like, look, man, I'm not bringing anything to next year. If you give me a sample, like I'll have my guys try it, you know, and it kind of blows me off. So then I pull out the big guns. I give Terry the guy's phone number. I'm like, here, you call this guy. Like he's blowing me off. <laughs> and Terry's like, all right, I'll give him a call. And it's funny. This guy to this day, Hugh Duncan tells the story all the time because, because of this little interaction, this deal, we got like a 38 state deal with RNDC and like, they're one of our main distributors. But so they had just been purchased Young's market who he worked for had been purchased from RNDC, which is a Texas company. And so at three o'clock, he's waiting on a phone call from the district manager of RNDC, Texas. And at 2.57, this phone call comes in and it's a Texas area code. And this guy deals with so many idiots all the time. He doesn't answer just random calls, right? So he's like, I'm going to pick up the call. And it's like, hey, this is Terry Bradshaw. And he's like, all right, real funny, guys. He's like, no, no, I'm serious. This is Terry Bradshaw. And he's like, Terry's talking to him on the phone. And he's like, what? what? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I hear that you're blowing my son-in-law off. And he's like, what? He's like, my son-in-law Noah, he keeps emailing you about my bourbon and you won't bring it in. And he starts dying laughing. And he's like, I had no idea that was your son-in-law. And he's like, that is one persistent little fucker. <laughs> Sorry for, excuse my language if that's not appropriate, but they had a good laugh about it. Um, <clears throat> anyway, Terry talks to him and he's like, look, man, like, what do we got to do? And he's like, no, no, Noah sent me some product. I'll go pull it out of the warehouse. It's, you know, I stuck it in a corner somewhere. He tries it. His bourbon guys try it. He calls back and he's like, oh my gosh, this is like an actual really, really good product. 
And then we've got this fun story. So he's like, I'll bring in a hundred cases to Hawaii. And I'm like, and I have a good chuckle about this. I'm like, you, a hundred cases is not going to last a week. And he's like, all right, whatever, man. Like you're dreaming big. Sure enough. I get the hundred cases sold before they hit the islands. And so he's got to order 500 more. And now we've got this great deal. With <laughs> and, uh, Hey, some things are meant to be. It's, and so Terry's like, man, if I had 10 salesmen like you, he's like, I'd be rich off this bourbon. He's like, why don't you come work for us? You know? Um, and I put it off for a long time because I cooking is my passion. That's what I love to do. And, um, we recently moved to Texas, uh, you know, so now I could actually be a little bit more productive in the company. And so finally I kind of caved and I was like, all right, I'll, I'll take some of this on. Um, and so that's what I do sometimes. And it's fun. I have a great time doing it. Well, and I was going to say, like you said, you're, you're a chef and not just a chef, you're an award winning chef. Um, you know, so how, how did you get into cooking? Cause I, I feel like, you know, for me, I was awful at it. Still not very good. Getting a little better, but you know, award-winning chef, you must be okay at it. I'm decent. You know, I'm my worst critic, but um, you know, I I got into it um, at early age, probably 14 years old. Um, I was busting tables at a restaurant, you know, to make cash, and was always peering in the kitchen and very curious about it. And I should mention that years before that, my mom, who was a waitress, dated a chef in Hawaii by the name of Alan Wong. Um, and he's now what they call the godfather of Pacific Rim cuisine. And he kind of helped put Hawaii on the map. Him and Roy Yamaguchi and Sam Choi are kind of um, legendary Hawaii chefs. And so as I was a younger kid, he had food magazines around the house. And we're watching Great Chefs America. And he would take me to these these foodie events. you know. And I, I don't ever at that point remember being like, wow, this is what I want to do. But later in life, when I was curious about the kitchen and this chef was like, hey, man, I see you back here poking your head in all the time as a busboy, like, why don't you come tomorrow and work the pizza station? And I can't showed up early the next day. I worked the pizza station and I was like, I was in love, man. I was hooked right away. And I was like, this is what I want to do forever. <laughs> and I still feel that way. Well, I was, I was going to say, I mean, you know, obviously there's a lot that goes on in the kitchen and you get to be so creative and, and things like that. What's, what's the best part for you about being back there and being, you know, able to show off your skill set? I mean, there's a, it, it changes, honestly. Um, excuse me. I love the creativity of it. I love being able to feed people. I love, um, that oftentimes, um, I did private chef and catering for a while is that I would be invited into someone's home to cook for them for an anniversary or a wedding or a birthday. And so now my food and in part me is now a part of their special occasion and their memory of that, you know, and I get calls still years later for people, you know, who remember this dish that I made at their wedding or they, I had a fun email the other day. This guy's like, Hey man, you catered my wedding like five years ago. And turns out that didn't work out. I'm getting remarried. Will you come and cater my second wedding? You know, <laughs> I mean, what a, what a, what a cool thing. Hey, at least like, you didn't blame your food. Yeah. That's a good thing. I was like, well, <laughs> am I supposed to tell the new wife this or not? Because, <clears throat> um, but it, you know, it's cool. The creativity of it's cool. I love the camaraderie of a kitchen. You know, I, it's, these are like your battle buddies that you get in there with, you know, and we did uh, 560 covers on mother's day brunch the other day. And it was just like this chaotic, you know, ballet with fire and knives. And I just, it makes me happy, you know? Well, and I love to, you know, obviously with, with what you do, you know, being like, like I said, at the, at the top of the, the interview, part of the Bradshaw bunch, you, you got a few things going on. One thing I know I think you dislike, I'll say dislike, maybe hate, is being called a celebrity <laughs> chef. Yeah. 
So can you talk a little bit about why that's something you're like, no, no, I'm just, I'm just a good chef. I, I mean, I, you know, I, I usually don't even refer to myself as a chef. Honestly, I refer to myself as a cook, man. And I'm honored to have the title chef. You know, it's still weird to me when people are like, okay, chef, yes, chef. And it's like, man, just call me Noah. Or I, I don't know why the celebrity chef thing bothers me. I guess, you know, I just, I just, I, I don't know. I think it, it takes, I guess it just, for me, it takes something away from the 25 years of hard work and determination and blood, sweat and tears I put in it. And I guess myself personally, as I get this, I think that people have this idea of a celebrity chef, this guy in this clean white jacket who's coming out with his hair done and his makeup done. And like, man, I roll in with like some, you know, a white t-shirt and a backwards hat and like I'm sweeping <laughs> the floor and like, there's nothing celebrity or glorifying about it, you know? And, um, I actually work for, I'm a corporate chef for a restaurant group here in Dallas and, and they kind of sell me quite often as celebrity chef Noah Hester, you know, and I think people are, I enjoy the fact that people kind of expect something totally different when they come in and meet me and see me. And, you know, they're kind of like, oh, where's the celebrity guy, you know? Um, but it's cool. Like, it's, like, are you just our opening act? What yeah, are you? <laughs> I'm the opener. Exactly. Yeah. No, it's just, you know, it's not my favorite. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that, and, and obviously, like you said, you 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 want to, you're, you're just in the kitchen, you're you're having fun, you're you're doing stuff, and you know, obviously, one of the things that you have now helped do is the uh, the Bradshaw Ranch thick and juicy burgers. Can you mm-hmm. talk about how that came to be? Because I'm curious to see what it was like for you to go from like the kitchen <laughs> to that type of thing. Sure, it's it's interesting, man. Um, you know, I'm, it's really, uh, uh-uh. no, I'm good. Sorry. Um, I hear you. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. It's something totally different. You know, the, for starters, as a chef, I've had like a really hard time with frozen hamburgers for a long time. Um, and anybody that's ever worked with me or for me could probably tell you jokingly about my, my feelings about hamburgers. You know, I, I'm, I have this thing about hamburgers and it's the meat to bun to vegetable ratio, you know, and I'm always on these guys about like slicing the tomato and the onion thin enough. So I would, I would like it if you cut a burger with the bun and everything, cut it in half and you have equal parts of bun, vegetable, burger, and bun, you know, that's just a personal thing, the structural integrity. And I get nerdy and weird about it. And so a lot of restaurants were doing frozen burger patties, but then they have this like handmade pasta with, you know, it's very fancy, but then they're using a frozen burger patty. And I'm like, man, if you can't, just nail that hamburger and do like a perfect hamburger and think about it in that way, then you probably shouldn't be moving on to Asabuco and things like that. Right. That's, I think it's kind of an Asian way of thinking almost like a sushi chefs, you know, and this, the rice, like you have to make that rice perfect until you're even touching the fish, you know? Um, and so anyway, I've kind of had a, a distrust of frozen hamburger patties and then Holton meats comes along and, you know, the I think number two producer of, of frozen patties in the, in the country um, and they've got this really crazy technique of flash freezing it. So it's at the peak of, of freshness, you know, and it's this Angus blend and it's a really, really good beef product. And then they just blast freeze it. And so it's not like they're taking an old piece of meat and throwing it in the freezer to preserve it, which is what a lot of people do. They're actually taking it and blast freezing it. So it comes out in this great little patty and you can actually take it directly from your freezer. And this part freaked me out, but it's amazing is you take it from the freezer and you put it directly on your grill or on your flat top. And in like nine minutes, six to nine minutes, you have this like perfectly cooked burger. And actually the act of 
the freezing it the way that they do creates a, this seal, this barrier. So as you cook it, the inside of it, all those juices and all that good stuff stay inside that juicy, which is why we call it the, the thick and juicy burger. Um, and it's, so it's incredible. And it's, it's genuinely a really, really good hamburger patty. You know, I'm not just saying that, um, I'm shocked by it. People are always shocked by it. And it's, again, just like the bourbon, it's something that I can get behind. It's something that I can be proud of and something that I think kind of changes people's perception of something, you know, with the bourbon people are like, Oh great. It's another celebrity brand. But then, you know, time and time again, it gets awards. And every time people taste it and blind tasting it, they're blown away that it's a celebrity bourbon, you know, and that's kind of intentional. I mean, Terry was, was very intentional with the packaging and he's like, man, I don't want this obnoxious flashy package. I want it to be very classy. He like, didn't even want to really put his Super Bowl numbers on there. Um, you know, he was really careful in I that. I mean, he didn't want his big, big face and everything you know? <laughs> right there. You know, Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> <laughs> I keep pushing it, but he won't do it. <laughs> no, he didn't. I mean, he, he was like, I want, I want a good juice, you know? And he's like, I know my name will get me in the door, but I want something that people are going to enjoy. And on top of that, it's a really good price point. You know, I mean, these bottles, I've never seen it above 50, 45 in the stores. And that's the thing is he's like, man, what's the point of having a good bourbon if no one can afford to drink it? Well, I, I was going to say, I mean, I think what I, I, I love most about pretty much what, what you all do is, you know, I, I've had others that are maybe similar price points, you know, for, and it's a young whiskey, if we're being honest, two years, you know, minimum in two years, but it's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those that that watch the show and 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 watch our reviews, you you'll you'll find that that out <laughs> depending on on when when you watch things and and I, I think that was what I was most impressed by with with others was it's really enjoyable, but it's also approachable for celebrity endorsed brands of everything. It was like forty bucks for the for the bourbon, ten ten dollars for the burgers, and that's yep. to me kind of unusual. Yeah, I mean it's it's it is unusual. I mean you see some of these celebrity bourbons out there for two or three hundred dollars a bottle you know and it's like the only people that can drink it are celebrities and what's the point of that you know that's not really that's not really kind of what our family is about it's not really definitely what terry's about you know i mean terry is is a normal guy you know that just grew up with a, a special talent you know and he's maintained that you know being humble and being down to earth and his roots and you know i really respect that about him and i think it's really cool and I will say this. I, I said there was a lot of stories about the Green River Distillery that time he took me up there. <clears throat> and one of the things that really stood out to me that just really tells you what kind of guy Terry is, <clears throat> there was all the CEOs and all the bigwigs of um, of the, the bourbon company and the partners and all these guys in suits. You know, it's this big photo op, right? And so we tour the whole distillery. It's hot summertime. We're in Kentucky. Terry's in a suit. We're sweating. We're drinking bourbon. And we go to take this big group photo of all those guys in front of this big, you know, wall that's got the logo on it and stuff like that. And across the parking lot are these guys loading the trucks, you know, and they're sweating their ass off and they're loading the trucks with all the bourbon and maybe his, maybe somebody else's, but they're kind of looking across and they can see what's going on. They're kind of trying to take pictures and zoom in and stuff. And, um, you know, Terry takes off his suit, stops, takes off his coat and stops this, whole photo thing and walks across the parking lot and shakes every one of these guys hands takes pictures with them and he's like hey man thank you guys so much for loading my product like i couldn't do this without you guys i really appreciate that and then walks back these meanwhile these guys are all waiting on him you know the big wigs are waiting and he walks back and finishes the photo op and i'm like man that just changed these guys and not only their day but their week possibly their year like these guys now 
or on Team Bradshaw Bourbon, and they're excited about it, and they're going to tell people the story for the rest of their life, you know, and what a cool thing to do that will always be a part of their memory. Like I talked about my cooking and being a part of their memories, that moment in their life will always be there, and I think that's a really cool thing. Well, and and, and as I've learned, not most, you know, like you talked about, you know, Terry going out to the stores and things like that, that's not normal. <laughs> most <Right>. owners... <laughs> of a brand do not go out and do that. And when, when a liquor store owner is like, wait, you mean he's actually coming here like that? I mean, that's a cool thing. And, and that just goes to show you how much you and him and everyone is just like, Hey, we're, this is our brand, but we want to share it with you. Like legit share it with you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not, you know, it's, it's a thing of love for sure. And I'll, I also want to point out, you know, you, you have a little bit of entrepreneurial ship and, you know, you, you dabble in some things as well. I, I saw the Hawaiian chili water sure. um, and some sauces. So um, clearly, you know, you like to dabble in these things as well. I do. I do. You know, I've, like I said, I like to keep busy. <laughs> so I've always got some sort of hide hustle, side hustle going for sure. Um, but yeah, so I have um, I have a line of sauces. Um that I sell in a, diff- a few different grill shops and things like that around town, uh, in Hawaii, Dallas, um, mostly online, but Hawaiian chili water is kind of a fun one. That's, you know, I grew up in Hawaii. That was been my home since I was a little kid and every Hawaiian fi- family kind of has their special recipe of a chili water. And basically it's, uh, you know, there's always different components, but always has Hawaiian chili peppers, which are these like brutally hot, tiny little red peppers, um, some sort of seaweed. And they usually do like water, water, vinegar, um, either garlic, ginger, something like that. And it's kind of always in the table. They'll usually put like an old liquor bottle and they'll fill it up and they'll have it on the table. And they swear by taking shots of this um, every day. And they think, uh, you know, that it'll cure hangovers, which I will say that it's definitely helped a few of my hangovers. Um, They think it keeps away bugs. You know, they think it's good for digestion because it's got this garlic and vinegar and chilies and all this stuff. But on top of all that, it's used as a hot sauce. and so I kind of, I have a, a recipe that I make that is, has a little bit of a Texas twist to it. It's got a little bit more vinegar than a lot of Hawaiian chili peppers, but I still, I bring in chili peppers from Hawaii. I bring seaweed in from Hawaii and I bring Hawaiian uh, ocean salt in and we make these big batches of Hawaiian chili pepper water and bottle it and sell that. Um, also the black garlic smoked soy sauce, another kind of um, Texas and South mixture, you know, it's really nice soy sauce and some black garlic, which is made here in Texas. Uh, and then a little bit of hickory smoke really nice on any sort of like sushi, sashimi. Uh, pretty much. I've found nothing that it's not good on so far. <laughs> and then of course we have the, I was, was going to say the, sorry, we have the, the Bradshaw bourbon barbecue sauce, which is a good one where we actually use the Bradshaw bourbon and make a really nice classic barbecue sauce. Well, I was going to say, I mean, is this something where like, you know, obviously being a chef and and things like that, you get to be creative. You get to put your spin on recipes and whatnot. Is that kind of what you like to do with those sauces and kind of put your, your stamp on something interesting? Because like you said, it's not a traditional soy sauce. It's not a, for those that would know a Hawaii, you know, a Hawaiian chili water, it's not the same. And then obviously the, the barbecue sauce has got a little bit of bourbon background to it. So, I mean, clearly you're putting some spins on things. For sure, for sure. And I, I love to do that. I think what's really cool about food is that almost like music is there's there's like a baseline or there's a traditional song, but you can take that and spin it however you want to do it and put a little bit of your story into it, you know, and then it becomes 
a little bit of you and it's kind of almost like giving explanation of yourself to anybody that's going to try it. Right. Well, and like you said, you, you've lived in a, a bunch of different places. Obviously Hawaii is where you spent most of your life, but you're in Texas now. I think you were in Nashville as well. What's, what's been your favorite place to kind of live and kind of maybe have that style of cooking as well? I mean, I'm hands down Hawaii. I mean, I gotta say that cause that's home. <laughs> I mean, I was there for 20, almost 30 years. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, Hawaii is, is a really cool, unique place. I love the food there. I love the people there. Um, you know, as I said, it's home. Um, but what's really cool about the Hawaiian food is there's so many different cultures that came there over the years, you know, and a lot of people don't realize that with like sugarcane plantations, uh, Portuguese, Chinese, Japanese, Filipinos, uh, traditional, um, South Pacific, like Polynesians, uh, and even Puerto Ricans at some point all came and they all brought their ingredients and they all brought their, their things, you know, their plants or their meats. And they have blended it all together to make this really cool, unique, rich culture. Well, and, and, you know, like you said, you're, you're a chef by, by trade. Mm -hmm. That's your go-to. That's what you prefer. Obviously we're hitting kind of the summer season, you know, when, when you and I are talking, uh, you know, we're kind of in, you know, national grilling month, ham whiskey day, all, all, all of those. But when this drops, it'll be a little later, but we're still in grilling season. So sure. any good tips for folks out there? Yeah. I tell people all the time grilling, man, the, the key for grilling is just don't mess with it. Don't overcomplicate it. Like get your grill super, super hot, season your food, salt and pepper, chef knows Hawaiian chili water, whatever you want to use, you know, um, get your grill hot, put your food on there and you can stand there and watch it, but just don't poke at it, prod at it, and tend to it. You know, be really, um, just be really careful with it and just flip it one time, two times. You don't need to flip it three or four times. It's really not a hard thing. You're letting the fire do all the work there, you know? Well, see, sometimes people get a, get a little, little too, too aggressive and, yeah. and that things happen. You know, obviously you do a lot of, a lot of things and, and, one that I want to ask you about is what's it like, you know, like you said, you're, you don't feel like you're a celebrity chef, all those good things. What's it like being on the show, the Bradshaw bunch <laughs> kind of having your day, day to day life out there. Cause I feel like that's a totally different thing for a guy that doesn't even just calls himself a cook. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was definitely unique. And you know, one of the things that drew me to the kitchen in the first place was that you don't have to deal with the public, you know, and you're kind of out of the limelight. Um, <clears throat> so it definitely, being there was, was definitely a unique thing and something I never thought I would do in my life. Um, what was really cool is that I was there with the family, you know, and once you get there and the camera's there and that first you're sweating and you're nervous and, you know, Terry is so natural and so much himself when he's there, I try to take a page from that. I'm like, man, I'm not trying to be anybody else. I'm going to be, be myself. And, you know, sometimes that means I'm going to curse here and there and get beeped out and I'll probably have a beer in my hand most of the time. Um, and a backwards hat, you know, my gut hanging out, but yeah, I'm just going to do it and go with it. Um, you know, we became really good friends with everyone that worked on the show. And so it became more natural and we spent all this time with them and it wasn't like this intrusive thing of having, you know, cameras in your, it was like having all your friends around just with cameras on their shoulder. Um, and we just, you know, just tried to have fun with it. I mean, there's definitely, sometimes where it was like not fun and there's a lot of waiting and you know there's a lot of work that goes into stuff like this and i think <clears throat> a lot of people think that it's like oh they just come in with cameras and hang out and it, that's not really what it is at all you know it's like all right we're gonna go in there. just for them to set up a new room takes hours of time and you're sitting around and you know it's you're traveling here or there you're doing things over and over again you know so definitely it's a lot of work um 
but it was it was a fun experience for sure. Definitely something I'll remember forever. And I guess uh, people enjoyed it. Well, and like. obviously. Well, that's what I was gonna say. People enjoyed it, and then I'm guessing you know that celebrity nature. <laughs> you know, you're out and about now, and people are like, "Hey, aren't you on that show?" I mean, was that weird when someone goes, "Hey, I think I know you. <laughs> I uh, yes. think I've seen you on something." <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm usually, you know, I'm kind of in the background, so I'm. It's pretty easy for me to be like, I don't know what you're talking about. There's another bearded guy you know, with tattoos. You know, <laughs> these days there's thousands of me, so it's not too bad. But um, and sometimes it's really cool, man. Sometimes. Um, you know, you get these messages or you get people that, um, we touched a lot of people and a lot of this came out right during or after the pandemic we filmed, you know, we were started filming before the pandemic. And so a lot of people's lives had changed dramatically, you know, and people needed something to take their mind off of all that. And so I get messages and I think everybody would get messages about like, man, we were going through such a hard time. And like, it was so nice to laugh at you guys and you guys are such a kind, caring family. And it's really cool to see that, that people like saw the genuineness in it and, you know, and that it actually helped people through some things. Well, and the, honestly, I feel like at the end of the day, that's just you being a chef, you being yourself, you know, you're just enjoying doing something, being able to just show, not, not show off, but, you know, be able to just bring people together and have, have a good time and have a good meal. Totally. Yeah. Very cool. And, you know, obviously, you know, like I said, you've got, your your line of sauces you got the bradshaw uh ranch burgers what's next for you and your uh culinary uh exploits i mean taking over the world <laughs> um you know <laughs> <laughs> you gonna be the next gordon ramsay you yeah, know on no, tv no. everywhere yelling no. at people i doubt it i'm too <laughs> too nice for that um <clears throat> i think most people that have, have worked with me or for me would tell you that i, I never yell um and so i don't know i mean i you know I've, I've wanted to have a restaurant um, since I was a little kid. I used to set up uh, on my dad's porch with my little sister when I was probably eight years old, and she'd make a menu board, and I'd have, like, two menu items, and we'd sell food to the neighborhood kids and our family, and, you know, that's something that, I, like I said, I've done before I even knew it's what I wanted to do. Um, so, you know, I, I think I'd like to have a little, a tiny little 50-seat restaurant, 60-seat restaurant, something like that, where I can be there and be hands-on and cook and just really – um, put my food out, you know? Well, I mean, I think he, I mean, I think you know some people that could happen, right? <laughs> it could probably happen. Yeah. I just, you know, I've, I'm, I'm weird about it. I, I really like to do things on my own. I really like to do things, you know, um, the right way. And I, I, I don't to open up something like that and to do that would is for me is such a scary thing. Um, you know, because if something goes wrong, not only am I failing, but if I'm financially into it, it's a huge thing for my family. Um, and so I know myself, I know that I would be in there a hundred hours a week working all the time, you know, doing everything I could to make that a successful restaurant. And so I think a few of these other things got to get to where they need to be first, you know, so I can dedicate my time to that. And right now I've, I've you know, we've got young kids, a five and a 10 year old. And so I'm really, really blessed that I'm able to create my schedule now where I get to be home a lot of times for holidays that I get to pick them up from school and take them to school. And to me, that's something that's, that's incredibly priceless. Uh, and so, so lucky to be a chef and to be able to do that. Cause so many chefs and cooks in this industry, man, they work all the holidays, they work all the nights, they work all, they're tired in the morning and they don't get that. So, you know, once they get a little bit older and they don't want me around anymore, then I'll probably go into the restaurant. <laughs> 
Hopefully that's not for a few more years because I got a four year old. I'm 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 hoping Dad is still still Superman for a little while. <laughs> yeah, longer. no, you can make it to ten probably. <laughs> <laughs> so, so so I got a couple more years, and and then obviously, like I said, you know, you're with, you're with the Bradshaw Bourbon brand, you're with the 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 Burger brand. What's what's next on the horizon for all that as well? You know, I think we're just going to keep growing. Um, you know, for for the bourbon, we are launching a weeded this year. Um, mm. which is going to be really, really good. I've tried it. It's good if you're into weeded. Um, I know that around October, we're going to do a real special bottle um, for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, you know, we're going to donate some proceeds. We're going to have a really cool pink label that should launch um, and just keep kind of growing. You know, we've, we've really quickly in four years gotten into all 50 states, which was a really huge thing to do, really cool. But we're a really small team. You know, there's maybe four or five of us on the entire Bradshaw Bourbon team, which is really not a lot. So I think this year we're kind of going to focus a little bit more on specific states and really kind of grow that. Definitely our barrel program. You know, we actually are bottling now in um, Charleston, South Carolina. So still made no one's broke Kentucky, but we actually bought a bottling facility in Charleston so that we can bottle on our own um, because Bardstown bought Green River Distillery. Um so this way we can do kind of our own things. We can do different size bottles. We can do the cool labels, um, just do a lot of fun stuff. And the burgers, you know, same thing. I mean, we have a few different cool flavor burgers and I think we're in like 8,000 Walmarts or something like that around the world country, <laughs> which is pretty cool. So I think we'll just, and that's only two years old, you know, so I think we just keep kind of growing and doing it. I was going to say, it sounds, it sounds like things are, uh, heading in the right direction. And now, now I have another question. Um, are we, are we going to see like the Noah Hester, you know, thick and juice, juicy burgers, or is it always going to be Bradshaw Ranch? Or or is it Bradshaw Ranch by Noah Hester? You know, I'm sure we'll see some sort of, uh, you know, gourmet patty at some point, you know, like a chef's blend or something fun. Well, I, I, I love to hear that. And, and you know, if you haven't yet, um, clearly I have enjoyed, for those that are watching, I've, Myself and some friends have clearly enjoyed the the bourbon. I'm excited to try the burgers. Uh, I've got a few of those that that I need to get on the grill nice. uh, when Mother Nature cooperates here in Kentucky because Mother Nature has not wanted to cooperate here lately. And uh, Noah, I appreciate you sharing a drink and just having a good chat with me, man. Awesome, thanks, Jonathan. It was a really good time, man. Thanks for having me. Find more from Hops and Spirits at hopspirits.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye.